0: Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. Good to be with everybody here on this beautiful Easter Sunday. Guests, we're certainly glad that you have chosen to join us. For those of you worshiping online, it is a treat for you to choose to worship with with us this morning. I know there's many places that you could be worshiping on this Easter Sunday day. And for you to choose to be here is is our honor and blessing. And so thank you so much for that. Uh, Because I was baptizing, I didn't get to hear you say it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say, he is risen. And I want you to repeat, he is risen indeed. But I want you to say it like you mean it, okay? All right, here we go. He is risen. Man, I think think we're done here. I think y'all said all we need to say. Well, guys, today we are going to uh, be wrapping up a bow on our all-in series. Over the last 13, 14 weeks, we've been talking about how God's desire for you and for me is that we would be all-in, all-in with God all in with one another, all in for our community, and all in for the world. And so we've been talking through the book of Nehemiah. As Nehemiah comes to Jerusalem, calls the the people living there to be all in with him and all in with one another. And so we're gonna put a nicely uh, wrapped bow on that story this morning. And if you remember, there are a couple of things that Nehemiah teaches us. The first thing that the book of Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah teaches us is that no matter how hard we try, No matter how hard we work, no matter how much good we do on this earth, how much success we experience on this earth, there's one thing that we can never do. You know what it is? We cannot escape our ruins. That's what Nehemiah teaches us, that no matter whether we build the wall in 52 days or whether we built a wall in 10 years, there's one thing that they could not do and that was escape their ruins. And what you need to know and what I need to know this morning is just like the people living in Jerusalem all those years ago, there's one thing that you and I can't do, and that's that we cannot escape our sin. We cannot escape our sin. And that's the true story of the entire Bible. In fact, what we need to know and believe this morning is this, that God created the world. He created everything in this world all to live in perfect harmony with him. Did you know that? That means you and me this morning were created to live in perfect relationship with the God of the universe. That's incredible. That's incredible. But what we know as you keep reading in the story of the Bible in Genesis is that Adam and Eve. Uh, rather than, than following God and following his will for their lives, what did they do? They went their own way. They went their own way, choosing to, to believe that they knew what was better for their life than God did. And, and so what we know from that very moment, that both Adam and Eve and now us in this room are eternally separated from the God of the universe. So as a result of this, eternally separated from God, now we live in perpetual ruins. Now you may be wondering, well, what do you mean by ruins? Well, um, all you got to do is turn on the television, right? When I talk about perpetual ruins, what we're talking about is disease. We're talking about war. We're talking about lies, broken relationships, scandals of all kinds. I think we could go on and on and on. But the point here is this. There is nothing that you or me in this room can ever do to escape the ruins that we live in this world and the sin that lives inside of us. The second thing is, is that Nehemiah also teaches us that we're in need of a leader. We are in desperate need of a leader. In fact, uh, we need a leader who can lead us out of our sin and lead us into life as it was always meant to be lived, back to the garden, so to speak. And what we'd learned from Nehemiah is that he was not the leader that the people needed. In fact, if you remember from the story, Nehemiah failed the people. As a matter of fact, he could not rescue them from their sin. He couldn't rescue them from their ruins. And he also couldn't lead them out of their ruins. And so that leads us to God's intervention. And praise God for that, right? Because God shows up, and here's what he does. He sends Jesus Christ to this earth to take on the ruins of the world, to take on their ruins. And all, he takes those all the way to the cross where he purchases them, purchases their ruins, their sins, they're on the cross. But not only does, that, does he do that, but then he also leads them out of their ruin, ruins forever. That for all who put their faith and their trust in him, who crown him as Lord of their life, get this, they would experience true life as it was always meant to be lived. Guys, this is the good news of the Bible. This is the good news of the Bible, and that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about this morning is the good news. That for all who say yes to Jesus, not only does he purchase our ruins, not only does he purchase our sin, not only does he lead us out of these ruins and out of our sin, but because of his resurrection, I want you to hear this, he also takes us out of our ruins and exchanges them for his royalty. So from ruins to royalty. So if you would, if you got a Bible, I hope you do, go ahead and open to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, that's just fine. Uh, We will have the the words of the text on the screen for you. But Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I want you to follow along with me as I read it. This is the word of the Lord. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and here's what he says. He says, "'You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, "'following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, "'the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, "'among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, "'carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and hear this, "'were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind.'" That's the bad news, here's the good news, verse four. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Oh, it is by grace that you have been saved and he has raised us with him and he has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, there's many reasons as to why I love God's word. But among those reasons, it's because the Bible is true. And it tells us what is true about God. tells us what is true about the world. It tells us what is true about mankind. It tells us what is true about sin and salvation and the afterlife. As a matter of fact, it even tells us what is true about your life here in this room. If you've ever wondered what is my purpose, what is God's will for my life, all you need to do is look right here. But one of the things that I want to share with you this morning is one truth, and it is true of everyone in this room, and it's point number one. You ready? Here's point number one for you. What you need to know this morning, this is true, what you need to know is that everyone in this room is dead. We're dead. Apart from Christ, everyone in this room is dead. Now, you may be thinking, well, Logan, last time I checked, I can put my finger right here and I can feel my heart beating. I'm alive, and you know what? You'd be right. You are alive, but what you need to know is that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's not talking about physical life. What Paul is talking about when he says that you were, you were dead, what he's saying here is that you are spiritually dead. Now, that may, that may seem like bad news to all of us here in this room, but here's the reason why it's actually good news. See, here's what death does. Death puts us all on a level playing field Right, it doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter how unsmart you are. Doesn't matter how much money you have or you don't have. Doesn't matter how popular you are or how unpopular you are. Doesn't matter how successful or unsuccessful you are. Doesn't matter your social class. It doesn't matter if you're white. Doesn't matter if you're black, Hispanic or any other race. You know what, death doesn't discriminate. It levels the playing field for all of us. And so everyone in this room spiritually dead. Now, you may be wondering, well, okay, Logan, well, how did we get here? Well, I'm glad you asked. See rather than trusting God's design and plan for us, here's what we've done. We've gone our own way. Just like Adam and Eve, you and me in this room, we've all gone our own way, deciding that our way is just a little bit better than God's way. Maybe you can relate to that. I know I sure can. And here's the result, eternal separation from God. That's when we died on that decision and so now we are helpless we're unable to save ourselves and I don't know about you but I've never met a dead person who can help themselves or help anyone else have you anybody ever met that person I've never met them how many of you ever been to a memorial service where a corpse jumps out of the casket and says I got gotcha. you y'all ever had that ever happen to you Does it ever happened to me because you know why I'd probably be in the casket right next to him That's true. That's true. To be dead means to be dead. And apart from Christ, this is true of all of us. Spiritually, we're bankrupt, without hope, unable to save ourselves. And I want you to hear this this morning because it's important. There is not a single self-help book on the market that can do anything for your spiritual life to, to, to free you from these ruins and the ruins in which live within you. So that's number one, we're dead. Number two, here we go. Number two is that we are blind. Paul would say that, yes, absolutely, spiritually we're dead, but also spiritually we are blind. He writes this in verse one, he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. See, here's what Paul is saying. This is what we need to know. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying that by our very own nature, we are blindly, we blindly follow our appetites and our passions. That's our nature. Our nature is to follow our passions and our appetites. Now, I've got a really important question for you this morning. You ready? Ready? How many many of you would say that you've ever been hangry? Hangry, not hungry, hangry. See, hangry is that, that moment when you're so hungry, you haven't eaten all day, you're so hungry that your appetite ends up clouding your judgment and you become a little grumpy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Well, even from as a little kid. I would always get hangry. You can ask my mom and dad. They're sitting right here. I'm sure they'd love to tell you. I'm sure my brother would love to tell you as well. And I'd get hangry until I ate so food. If I didn't have food at the right time, why well, I would be hung- hangry. And everybody would say, Logan, why are you so grumpy? And I'd say, I don't know. But what I didn't realize is that I was blinded by my appetite for food. See, my appetite had overshadowed what was actually true, what was reality, And in the same way, what Paul is arguing here is that because we are dead, we are also blinded by our own passions and appetites. We're blinded by things that we love like money, things like power and sex and influence and comfort, approval and things like these to the point that it alters the way we think, it alters what we believe, it alters how we treat people, how we react to people, how we care for people, how we love people. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that more often than not, we are enslaved to these appetites. We're enslaved to these passions and hear this, and more often than not, we don't even know it. We don't even know it. I want you to think about this. Think about this for a minute. Is this not what happened in the garden? Is this not exactly what happened in the garden? Remember, remember the narrative, right? God comes to Adam and Eve and says, "Hey, you know what? you can have any you can eat of any tree in the garden." You pick whichever one you want. It's all yours. All of this in the garden. It is all yours. It's available to you. Only just don't eat of this one tree. Satan enters the scene and what does he do? He begins to tempt Eve and says, oh, but you know, if, but if you eat of that tree, you know what's going to happen. right? You're going to become like God. And so all of a sudden there's this discontentment that stirs an appetite for more. She begins to wonder, wow, I wonder what would happen if I eat of that tree. And yet knowing that it was forbidden, what does she do? She reaches up, plucks that apple, takes a bite, and from that very moment, Paul would go on to say that rather than being a child of God, his very own masterpiece, Adam and Eve in that moment became a child of wrath. So, Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 2, rather than being a child of God, they became children of wrath. And Paul would continue writing, and he would say this Now, people, you and me, he's talking about you and me, the people in this room, now born into this fractured, broken world, we too have become children of wrath. See, we have inherited the sin nature that says, I know better than God. This is what he's saying here in the latter half of verse three. He says, "By our nature, by the core of who we are, we are children of wrath." You know, right now we've got a really sweet thing going on in my house. Maybe mom's, dad's, grandparents, y'all can probably relate to this. Um, but my son Lane, he's four. He's about to be five here at the end of at the end of May, and man, he loves, loves, loves to look like his daddy. He wants to be just like his dad. And I tell you what, man, that is one of the sweetest things that I can, uh, that I can even imagine, especially as a dad. I mean, from every morning, we'll, we'll, we'll start in my closet, and he looks at me and goes, All right, daddy, what are we wearing today? Are we wearing a blue shirt? Are we wearing jeans? Or are we wearing khakis? Are we wearing shorts or pants? Are you wearing your loafers? Or are we wearing tennis shoes? And in his case, he would love it if it was baseball cleats, right? Because he wants to look just like dad. He wants to be just like dad. Why is that? because by his nature, who he is, fundamental to my, 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 my amazing son, Lane Deacon, fundamental to who he is, as he wants to look and be just like his dad. Now hear me, I want you to know this morning that you were designed in the same way. You were designed to look, to act, to think, to lead, to govern, just like your father. That's how you were designed this morning, or this is how exactly how you were designed. But because of sin, rather than reflecting Him in the way we talk, in the way we think, the way we act, the way, what we end up doing is we actually rival Him. And so all of you in this room who were created in the image of God, who were meant to represent Him on this earth, to lead in the way that He leads, to love in the way that He la- le- the way He loves and to think the way that He thinks, Rather than imaging him and reflecting him, here's what ends up happening. Because of our sin, we end up rivaling him. We end up rivaling him. Our very own nature rivals him and his character, and because it is tarnished by our decision to go our own way, this is the human predicament that we're all in. We're enslaved and we're blinded to our ruins, to our sin, our passions, our appetites for the things of this world. And so rather than following God, what we do is we follow them. Just click on the news and tell me I'm wrong. That's the truth. Now that's the bad news. Now I know you, you go on uh, the Good Friday service to hear the bad news, right? It's Easter Sunday, we want to hear the good news. So here's the good news, verse 4. Here's the good news. Because of Christ, number 3. We can be made new. So yes, we're dead. Yes, we're blinded by our sin, by our appetites and passions. But I want you to hear me. The greatest news of all is the fact that because of what Christ has done for you and what he has done for me in this room, you can be made new. This is where the, this is where the entire narrative of the Bible changes. You'll see it in verse 4. It says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins he made us alive with christ listen to this by grace you have been saved and he has raised us up with him and he has seated us up with him in the heavenly places in christ jesus I want you to notice this, that when you were helpless, when I was helpless, unable to help myself, Christ entered into the world and he took on the ruins of the world, but he also took on your ruins as well. He took on my ruins, he took on my sin, and he literally took it to the grave. And here's the results. For all who would recognize that they have gone their own way, who've been blinded, who are spiritually dead, who repent of that they now have the opportunity to be made new and so for anyone in the room who makes that decision if you've made that decision here's what happens in a moment you ready This is what happens when all seemed hopeless heart stopped beating Jesus shows up into the ER he clears the room gets out the paddles and there he pumps that chest and for the very first time your heart starts beating at full capacity it beats at full capacity suddenly you see the world anew Right? You see the world through the lens of Christ. So rather than seeing it through your own appetites and your passions, what you do is you see it through the lens of Christ. That's what happens. Suddenly you're awakened. It's like going from, from black and white television to HD color, color, color TV, just like that. For the first time, you're able to see the world with new eyes. New eyes. Suddenly you love the things that Christ loves. You learn to hate the things that he hates, and you wonder why, but it's because you've been set free from your sin. You've been set free from your passions. You've been set free from your appetites that are contrary to his. You have experienced a fundamental change in your nature. No longer are you a child of wrath, but now you're a child of the King. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is what Paul says of this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, hear this, he is a new creation. Wow, the old's passed away, behold, the new has come. The New Living Translation, they translate it like this. They say, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, a new life has begun, and so what he's saying here is that this old nature is buried with Christ, and now you have been given a new nature. You're a different person. Romans chapter six, verse four, Paul, he puts it like this. He says, if we are buried therefore with him and by baptism and into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Wow. What Paul's describing here is what theologians call the great exchange. From nothing of your own doing, Christ entered into the world, purchased your ruins, my ruins. He took them to the grave. And just as Jesus walked out of the tomb, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Just as Jesus walked out of the tomb, we too walk out of our ruins forever. Just as Jesus walked out of the tomb, so do we walk out away from our sin forever. That doesn't mean that we're gonna be perfect, but it does mean that God no longer looks at you according to your sin, but he looks at you according to the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for you. And that's great news. That is great news this morning. In Christ, God has taken us from our ruins and he has made us royalty. He has taken us from our rags and he has exchanged them for his riches. That's the truth, that's the truth. <clears throat> One of my favorite stories is the story of the prodigal son. Maybe you're familiar with that. In Luke chapter 15, a young boy comes to his dad. And he says, dad, here's the deal. I, I think I know a little bit better than you do. I know what I, I wanna do with my life. I don't want to farm anymore. I want to, I want to do my own thing. I want to go to the city. Dad doesn't ask many questions. He simply just says, okay, son, well, what do you want? He said, I want my inheritance. So dad gives him the inheritance. Son takes off, takes an inheritance. What you learn as you continue reading the story is that he ends up blowing it. He blows his inheritance on things like <clears throat> his passions and his appetites. He finds himself to the point where he is homeless. He's all alone living amongst pigs and it's there right there in that moment where he begins to see and understand what the Bible calls repentance. He experiences this, this thing called remorse where he's like, man, I had it so good in my dad's house. What did I do? Why, why did I leave? It's there in that moment where he begins to think, oh man, I wonder if dad would take me back. I wonder if dad would forgive me. I wonder if dad would give me another shot. And so right then and there, he begins to make the, the trick that long road home so he begins walking and I can imagine what all he's thinking as he's walking home. Gosh, man, how do I blow it? How do I even apologize? What do I even say? I mean, I just told my dad I'd rather him be dead so I could take his money. Can you imagine that? And yet here he is walking this long road home, but here's what he doesn't know. What he doesn't realize is that his dad is sitting on that front porch. And he has been since the day he left home, anxiously awaiting his, turn, his return. Looking out in the distance, you might picture this, right? Dad's sitting on the front porch, coffee in hand. He's looking out in the distance, just anxiously awaiting for his son to come home. And so he looks and he looks and he looks and day after day, his son doesn't come home. And then all of a sudden, there in the distance, he sees his son. He makes that last final peak over the hill and there the father doesn't wait for his son to get down that hill, but his, the father takes off running. You might picture this, right? As he's sprinting towards his son, his sandals fly off of his feet. He gets to his son and he embraces his son. His son doesn't even have the chance to say, Dad, I'm sorry, before the father takes him up in his arms, noticing that his son is, is, is dirty. He's been living amongst pigs, so he's filthy. He doesn't have any clothes left. He's living in rags. He's wearing rags, and so his dad takes off of his cloak. He wraps up his son in that cloak, He takes the ring off his hand and he puts it on his son and there he welcomes his son home. They get to the house and he pulls out a chair and he says, son, I want you to sit down. I'm I'm gonna prepare a meal for you. I wanna prepare a meal for you. I wanna celebrate your return because my son was once lost and now he's found. He was once dead, but now he's alive. See, that, that is what happens That is what happens when you get the reality of what Jesus has done for you and what he has done for me. See, we go from ruins to royalty. Ruins to royalty. This is the grace of God. It's the gracious invitation for all who would believe in him. And then I want you to notice something because this is really cool. I want you to notice how that Ephesians 2 narrative suddenly changes. We're gonna read it again. This is how it changes. I want you to notice the tense. It says, and you were dead. In your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of di- disobedience, and whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and hear this, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Verse 4 But God, Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He has made us alive together with Christ. Oh, it is by grace that we have been saved. And he has raised us up with him. He has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What I want you to know this morning is that this is the power of the resurrection in your life. It's the power of the resurrection in my life we were dead we were blind but hear me but now we're alive now we're alive you know on good friday we had a wonderful good friday service and we passed out these cards and what these cards were is an opportunity for for you to write i was this but now i am blank because of the cross it was to help us identify who we were before the cross and now who we are in the cross. And, and I began sitting there writing and I, I couldn't help it, but I was just writing all the ways in which I have changed, how my nature has changed. And I wanna share those with you. See, before the cross, I was angry. Now I'm joyful. I was insecure, but now I'm secure. I was anxious, but now my heart is at peace. I was broken, now I'm mended. I was confused, but now I'm confounded by what God has done for me. I was exhausted, now my heart's at rest. I was self-sufficient, but now I'm self-reliant. See, that's my story, what's your story? What's your story this morning? Who were you before the cross? And who are you now after the resurrection? Are you dead? Are you blind? Or maybe you're alive. My hope this morning is that you are alive, that you've experienced the power of the resurrection in your life, because I can promise you, you're never going to go back to your tomb. You'll never go back to the grave. I want to close with this song. It's one of my favorite songs. It's a contemporary hymn called Living Hope. I'm going to read this to you. It says, who could imagine so great a mercy, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross is spoken, I am forgiven. Hear this, the King of Kings calls me his own. Beautiful savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ is my living hope. Is he your living hope? I hope that he is. Here's what I wanna do, I I want every head bowed, every eye closed, here's what I want us to do. I want us to spend some time and just reflect on Christ his death, his burial, his resurrection for you this morning. Maybe many of you in the room have already said, you know what, yes, absolutely, man, I was dead, I was blind, but man, I'm alive and praise God. And here's what I want you to do for just a moment, I want you just to praise God for that. I want you to to remember and reflect on the fact that that was of nothing that you did. That's what Paul says, it was by grace and grace alone. There's nothing that you did, nothing that you could have done to deserve that gift of grace. And now for others of you in the room who, who maybe are like, oh gosh, he just, man, that, he, he just told me my life story. And I do feel dead. I, I don't feel alive. I, I feel like hopeless. And, and man, I'm trying to save myself. I'm, I'm trying to do the, all these things. I'm trying to be good enough, but man, I'm just not there. If that's you in this morning, here's what you need to do. All you need to do is pray this prayer. Just simply say, God, I recognize that I've gone my own way and because I've gone my own way, I am eternally separated from you. I want you to know that that is true. I agree with you this morning, God. And I wanna begin a relationship with you. That's it, that's all you gotta say. And you know what? In a single moment, you go from death to life. Listen, if that's you and you wanna know more about that, we've got a great opportunity for you. I'm gonna be here after the service. I'd love to talk with you. You can go right out these doors here in just a minute and you can talk to somebody at our Connection Central and they would talk with you and they'd love to share with you how you can do that and how you can, how can you learn what it looks like to follow Jesus, okay? So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray for us and then we are gonna continue worshiping. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. Oh Lord, we're so grateful for what you have done for us on the cross. God, that you have purchased my sin. You've purchased our sin in this room. You have carried it to the grave so that we may walk away from the tomb free, not dead, but alive. God, I pray for us this morning. God, I pray that we would be a church. We'd be a people who look to the cross, who never forget what you have done for us, that we would live with a heart of gratitude because of the gracious gift of Jesus. And God, I pray that you would call us to a resurrection life where we look different because of who you are. God, that the world would see that there has been a fundamental change in our nature. And people ask, they'd say, hey, how are are you so different? And here's what we would say, well, I was once in ruins and now I'm in royalty. I was a child of wrath, now I'm a child of the king. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his sweet name that we pray. Amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.